This is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Arrow and I are here to introduce Isaiah. I didn't tell anybody I was doing this, uh, by the way. I'm not really supposed to be here at the moment, but I am back next week. I'm very excited to start preaching again. It feels like it's been way too long. Thank you. I'm equally as excited. Uh, But Isaiah, I just wanted to mention and and honor him a little bit because it dawned on me a couple minutes ago that he won't be here next week because he'll be at one retreat with the youth. Uh, So... It's, he's barely out of his first year of full-time ministry. And the amount of things that I have thrown at him this year, because I've been on sabbatical and maternity leave and all of it, he's tackled every single challenge with excellence. And so I just want to thank you, thank him, honor him for that. Make sure you give him an extra pat on the back before you leave today and thank him for serving you so well. Thank you, Isaiah. Come preach to us. Thank you, Candace. Appreciate it. All right. You want to hear something stupid? It's, it's funny. All right. If I can get my computer open, I can tell you. There we go. All right. Is this, this what you're talking about, Chris? Like out here? I like to talk with my hands and it gets on his nerves because as much as it is like easy just to forget about because you guys can probably hear me, it's not just you guys. There's people online watching. So I got to think about them. So, you know, I'll give you guys permission. If it's like down here, I'm really getting into it. Just say, Mike, Mike, practice. Thank you. All right, so something stupid. So I had a dream last night, okay? And it's, it's the dumbest thing. So I had a, I had a dream that uh, I was preaching, okay? So kind of like today, probably my subconscious being like, yo, you're preaching in the morning, all right? And so I was about to get on stage. I had my sermon prepped. And then Candace came over and took my sermon from me and like read it over. And then she was like mad at me, okay? And she took it away and she's like, She's like, you didn't, she's like, you didn't cite your references. And so, yeah, it's stupid, right? She's like, you didn't cite this. I'm like, what? Like, like back in high school doing a freaking thesis paper. And so she takes it from me and I'm like sitting here getting ready to preach. And she like goes off and grades it. It's so dumb. And she, and she like, I get the paper back and it's a big X over it. It says, it says, no work cited, try again. Like, I'm, yeah, the Bible, there's, there's your, there's your reference, yeah. So that was stupid, but I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny, so I went open with that. Uh, I am excited to have you back next week, Candice, okay, as she said, all right, I haven't been here long, okay, and right when I get here, she's like, okay, well, it happens to be our sabbatical year, oh yes, and I am having a child, and that is not me complaining, okay, because, listen, I don't know if you guys have been to a lot of other churches, they don't give the mic to the youth pastor very often, okay? And I've been here, um, I've been here a year and a half, and I have had the privilege of speaking four times up here. This is the fourth, so that is that's exciting, and I appreciate it. But I am I am happy to have you back next week, Candace. You guys, you guys happy to have her back? Woo! But calm yourselves because it's, it's my week. All right. <laughs> All right, so Candace gave me, uh, she's like, hey, uh, I would like you to speak in the goals series. I'm like, okay, sure, let's do it. What's, what's it about? She's like, goals. <laughs> like, <laughs> what does that mean? It's like, the goals for this upcoming year. You know how broad that is? Okay, usually with the sermon series, we have like a direct, like, you know, this is about discipleship. This is about faith. This is about blah, 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 goals. All right, this goal for the year. So it is both exciting and equally annoying because it's like, I can preach on anything. It's also like, I can preach on anything. There's 66 books, okay? It it takes a while to get through and there's a lot of different stuff. So I got to narrow down what God wants to say to you today and that 
it's hard. It, it took me longer than usual, but God stuck in my head a verse from Philippians, specifically chapter two. And uh, I couldn't get it out of my head. I couldn't shake it. All right. So uh, that usually that's a sign when, you know, I'm prepping and just something just stays with me. So that is where we'll be going today. And I have a goal. All right. The sermon series. I have a goal for you guys today. And it is live a brighter life. This year, 2023, live a brighter life. Now, what does that mean? How do I live a brighter life? It's very, is esoteric the right word? That's the word that's coming to mind, but no, it's not the right word. Okay, it's very abstract. There you go, sort of abstract, the, this. But I'm going to be answering that today from Philippians. All right, but first, as I always do, some background on Philippians. The letter of Philippians is one of four letters in the Bible that we classify as the prison epistles. Say epistles. Epistles, yeah. What the heck does that mean? Big scary church word, right? Maybe you guys have heard it before. Epistles is Greek. It means letter. It's, It's not that scary. So Philippians is one of the prison letters. Okay, the prison letters include Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, Philemon, however you say it, that one. Okay, all of these were written by the Apostle Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome. Okay, Paul was imprisoned in Rome from the year 60 to the year 62, around there. And the letter he sent to the Philippians was written near the end of his incarceration, around 62 A.D., Philippi, who he was writing to, was a colony of the Roman Empire located in Greece. Okay? And you see, Philippi was kind of like the Florida of the Roman Empire. All right? At least for the Roman Empire's military. What does that mean? It means that the Roman sol- soldiers went there to retire. Okay, and so imagine a city in Florida just full of retired U.S. soldiers. I don't know what comes to your mind, but I got a picture in my mind, right? America. That's what I think of. Florida, U.S. military, just town full of them. That's what I think of. Except in this case, it was probably like something, something that sounds a little more aggressive, like for the empire, or I don't know if C- I don't know which empire, who the emperor was, for like for Caesar or something like that. But you get the idea. That is what this town of Philippi was like. The Church of Philippi was started by Paul in Paul's second missionary journey. You can read about that in Acts 16. And this church went on to be one of Paul's biggest supporters. In fact, the whole reason why Paul is writing this letter in the first place was because the Philippian church sent a man named Ephroditus to visit Paul in Rome. And he brought him financial support to help him while he was on house arrest. And so Paul wrote this letter to thank the Philippian church and to offer them some instructions and encouragement. And now with the proper context, we'll get into it. All right. I know I said Philippians chapter 2, but I'm actually going to do a little bit of the end of the first chapter as well. So we'll be starting in Philippians 1, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Now, I took a water, and I sat it on my chair, and I was supposed to bring it up with me, but I forgot. Wife, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, give Katie a hand. That's my wife. She's shy. Bombard her. <laughs> now, we're going to stop there for right now. 
at the end of Philippians chapter one, because here it gives us the first step, okay, in, in living a brighter life. Step one is to assimilate into the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does it mean to assimilate? Probably not a word you hear often outside of like high school. That's, I know that's where I heard it, okay? And the definition of assimilate is to take in and understand fully information, ideas, lifestyle, culture, and then resemble it. When I think of the word assimilate, my mind goes to Ellis Island, okay? Who here has heard of Ellis Island? Yeah. Ellis Island was an immigration hub in New York between the years 1892 and 1954. In those years, Ellis Island welcomed and processed over 12 million immigrants into the United States, averaging about 5,000 a day. Okay, it's estimated about 40% of the U.S. population can trace their roots back. So some of you might be here because your ancestors went through Ellis Island. And after going through the necessary checks and interviews, immigrants entered America and began the process of assimilating into American culture. For many immigrants, they had to figure it out on their own. I mean, imagine these people, okay? They come in on boats from, I don't know, say Ireland as an example. Step off the boat from Ireland, all right? Speak Irish and don't know anything about our culture, okay? They brought him themselves here to a foreign land and they just, you know, get off a boat and then they're there and then they're just kind of like, good luck. That's, that's some scary stuff. And, but they make a life for themselves. And over years and decades of being here, they would slowly begin to understand American information, ideas, lifestyle, culture. And then they would begin to resemble it and adopt it for themselves, becoming American citizens. Other immigrants might have been more fortunate. Say they have a family member or a friend that maybe came to the U.S. long before them, okay? Maybe they've maybe they been riding and they have connection. So they get off the boat and they have someone to guide them and model for them what it is to be an American citizen. Easing the culture shock, accelerating the assimilation process, maybe something that would take multiple decades only takes a decade now. You got someone to show you. That's what it's like being a Christian. We came as we were. We knew nothing but this world. And God gave us faith. We confessed with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believed in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And then we were welcomed in as citizens of heaven. But just because we're now citizens, that doesn't mean that we know how to live as a citizen of heaven. Again, we came as we are. Someone, but, getting ahead of myself, but luckily, we have a friend in the kingdom. Someone who fully understands the information, ideas, and the lifestyles of the kingdom. His name is Jesus, okay? And he has provided himself as our guide. He has modeled for us how to live as a citizen in heaven, a citizen of heaven. He gave us four biographies of his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to guide us in living as a citizen of heaven. And he didn't stop there. He provided 23 other books and letters written by his friends and followers to ease our culture shock, to ease the assimilation process. And it is a process, okay? All right, some of us have been believers for years, some of us maybe only a few years, some of us maybe we aren't believers at all, okay? It's a, it's, it takes work, all right? It takes a long time. Who in here, the, the point of assimilation, living as the kingdom of heaven, modeled by Jesus, is for us to resemble Jesus, okay? Who in here can honestly say that they resemble Jesus in every aspect of the way they live? No. I don't believe that any of you think that, then you're, yeah, yeah, you ain't fooling me, dude, all right? No one, 
No one's there. No one has a fully assimilated into the kingdom of heaven. There are still pieces holding us back to the world that we knew. Okay? And there will always be those pieces in you. Sorry. This assimilation process will not be fully complete in this life. But we weren't just welcomed into the kingdom and left to fumble and figure it out on our own. He provided us a manual. Okay? And the manual is the New Testament. I'm not bashing the Old Testament, okay? The full book of the Bible is a complete story, but as we as New Testament believers, it's easiest to go to the New Testament to model our life after. Trust me, we aren't under the Old Testament anymore. So the New Testament is our manual of how to live as a kingdom of how to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And we have to continue to take it in. And take it in. And understand fully the definition of assimilation. To understand fully the information, ideas, and lifestyles modeled for us and presented in the Bible. And then we have to apply it. Okay? And further resemble the life of Christ as we continue along in this process of becoming a citizen of heaven. And as you continue along the process... Your life will become brighter. Assimilating into the kingdom is the first step to living a brighter life. Let's keep reading. Now we are in Philippians chapter 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't try, no. Don't look out only for your interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In this passage is the next step. Change your attitude. Where are my parents? How many times do you hear that word coming out your mouth? All right. I know growing up, it came out of my dad's mouth a good bit. He's like, change your attitude. I'm like, okay. Because, you know, I didn't want to be there out in 90 degrees playing baseball, dad. I would rather be at home playing video games and watching TV. But no, change your attitude, son. You signed up and you ain't quitting. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Go have a heat stroke then. <laughs> you got to change your attitudes. We have to have the same attitude that Jesus had. All right? Are you selfish? Who in here always thinks of others before themselves? Not me. All right? Listen, if I'm not selfish, then I'm a liar. Okay? Sometimes, I just want it to be the Isaiah show. <laughs> You know, come on, you guys get it. You want it to be your show sometimes too. But that has to change. Others have to come before ourselves. Because that was Jesus' attitude. 
So change your attitude. Do you try to impress others all the time? I could probably do a front flip off this, all right? You gotta be impressed. Probably break my neck, but you know, yeah, I impressed someone, all right? I've been a bit of a show off in my life, you know? That's what the girls liked when I was a little kid. Be like, dude, I will jump off that really high thing over there. I don't even know what that thing was. Whether it be a tree, a jungle gym, when I was little, okay, that is what I did to impress the ladies. And I showed off, all right? Not that impressive now, looking back. But you know, it was really cool in the moment. I shouldn't need the attention of others to validate myself. I am a believer. I am validated by God. I am who he says I am. Doesn't matter what the, everyone else says about me. Doesn't matter what they think about me. I don't need to impress them. I got my eyes upward. And I know who he says I am. Are you humble? Do you think that you are better than everyone else? Okay. I know that this is a common thing. Like, I would never do what Cheryl does. Mm-mm. I'm a heavenly lady. And that's called gossip. You're literally like sinning as you're doing that. <laughs> okay, but besides the point, are you humble? Do you think of yourself as better than everyone else? Listen, you ain't all that. Neither am I. And even, even besides that, okay, we, we watch the... There we go again. Mike! Mike. We watch... <laughs> Denise, I'm going to make that water come out your nose by the end of this. I promise you. All right? I saw that. No. We look at others like... I ain't going to get into this. But a lot of times it can be political. A lot of times it's, you know, just on the news. It's like, man, that is a horrible, horrible human being. I would never do that. The Bible says there is no ends to the evil in human heart, in the human heart. Are you human? Yeah, there's no, e there's no end to the evil of your heart. God just might be helping you hold it back. You ain't no better than them. Do you look out only for your own interests? Who in here likes football? I don't care at all. I really don't, all right? Probably could not care less. But I have friends that do. I have friends that like football. That's why I know that the Eagles destroyed the Giants. Am I right? Got some Eagles fans in here? I got some Eagles friends who are my friends. I'm not an Eagles fan, but I know that. <laughs> because I care about them. And that's what they care about. Take an interest in others. We have to have the same attitude that Jesus had. And he cared what others cared about. Now, I just want to rewind a bit. I know I went into humility a little bit, and then I like jumped into the, like, do you like football thing? Okay. But I'm going to dive deeper into this. If you didn't notice the word humility in that passage, comes up three times. All the other stuff. Do you impress others? Are you selfish? All that only comes up once. Humility comes up three times. And two of those times, it's talking directly about Jesus. It's not asking, are you humble? It did ask that, but then it goes into Jesus' life, and it talks directly, saying Jesus humbled himself. He was humble. It says it three different times. I don't think it would be too hard to make the argument, okay, that humility is top three. You know, maybe top three, maybe even the most important one. You could probably make that argument. In the attitude adjustments, in the attitude changes a believer must make. Humility isn't just thinking of others as better than yourself. It's more than that. It's placing yourself in complete subservience to God. Recognizing God as the end-all, be-all source of authority in the universe. Your life includes the universe. 
the end-all, be-all source of authority in your life, not yourselves. Let me give you a practical example of what it means, of what it looks like to have a humble attitude. I actually, I had this exact example with the youth like a few weeks ago, so it just like came into my mind as I was writing this. I'm like, yeah, that goes, that'll go here. So I was talking about humility with them. Here's the example. When you're reading scripture, hopefully you read scripture, you know, if you're a believer, you should. When you're reading scripture, and you come across a passage that you don't agree with, what's your response? There's only two options. There's only two responses you can have. A humble response or a prideful response. If your response to reading something that you personally do not agree with in the Bible, if your response does not bring you to an understanding that what you've been believing, okay, maybe even your whole life, something that you've ingrained as a person of who you are, if you, be, if you come to that and it doesn't lead you to the place where you realize that what you've been believing is wrong, then that's a prideful response. It is an unwillingness to submit to the sovereignty of God. That is pride. And that is a dangerous place to be, guys. And why? If you're a prideful person, God will make it a point to place himself in opposition to you. Biblical, all right? He will actively work against you. That's a sucky place to be, all right? The Bible tells us God opposes the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. Y'all can't afford to be prideful. I can't afford to be prideful. We have to submit to God's authority. We do not get to decide what is right and wrong, guys. We are not the ultimate source of authority and morality. God is. So change your attitude. Be humble because Jesus was humble. And now we come to one of the craziest scriptures. All right, I'll tell you what, this thing blows my mind. In fact, this is, this is the verse that got stuck in my head that actually led me to writing this. This this section of this scripture. All right. It starts in verse six. <coughs> there you go, Dion. All right. You got it. <laughs> she's going to be like, shut up. Let me do my job. All right. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That is one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. Listen, all right, I've been through some rough patches, okay? A lot of my life was spent just wanting to die. I'm done, you know? I'm done with this life. I know I'm not the only one who's had hard times. I know there's plenty of you in here who's had this. I know depression is strong in our culture. It's, it's just rushing through it, all right? I'm a believer. I know where I'm going. I'm ready to go. Right? Anyone ever had that thought? I know it's not just me, okay? As a believer, we know that this is the suckiest part of our existence. It's true. Your life might be great. Still the suckiest part of this existence, all right? If you're a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, that, that's a whole other thing. Get right with God. 
But I'm a believer. I know where I'm going. I'm going through some hard times. I know that this is the worst it can be. I know what waits me ahead. Paradise, okay? I'm ready to go. Send me there, all right? This life is hard and it hurts. And a lot of those hurts don't leave. They stick with you. And the thing about life that hurts and sucks even more is that those hurts start accumulating the older you get. You lose friends. You lose loved ones. People die. You lose things, things disintegrate, you know? Just want to be done and go to paradise. And Jesus was in paradise. He always had been. He never experienced any of these hurts. No need to. He never wanted for anything. This guy was quite literally the king of all existence. Every single thing belonged to him. And he didn't find that as something to cling to. What the heck? I'm just clinging to the hopes that I'll get there. This guy's up there and he's like, yeah, I'm good. I'll come down there to live in poverty and die just to show you how much I love you. That's crazy, man. Do you love people like that? I don't think I do, man. I think I would cling to it. And that needs to change because I need to have the same attitude as Christ. So change your attitude and you will live a brighter life. Now I have one more step, all right, for you before I bring all this together. So let's keep reading. Verse 12. Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Reverence means respect. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing. So let no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Step three, the live in a brighter life. Work hard to display God's work. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Okay? Now, talking about works in Christianity can be a little confusing. It has been for me throughout my life. Maybe you're like, no, it makes complete sense. For me, it was always a place that, like, I got hung up on. Not because I didn't, didn't want to do these works, not because I didn't think these works were good, but I think making, I always thought making a point of it was kind of like, eh, because we're saved by faith, right? Not works. I've always been taught that that is the central thing to our entire faith. We don't get to heaven because we work for it. Isn't that what separates us from every other religion on earth? So why are we always talking about works? Why does James say without, no. Faith without works is dead. Thank you. I had it on there. I just kind of. Why does James say faith without works is dead? The importance and necessity of good works in a believer's life How does that make us any different from the rest of the world's religions? Is what Christianity really teaches, is what Christianity teaches really different? Or is it just a reskin of the same message pushed by every other religion? You guys are talking about works a lot. The thing that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world is meritocracy. Meritocracy is a system in which people are chosen based on their demonstrated abilities or worth. 
I challenge you to look at all the major religions on this earth. And you'll find that they're based off meritocracy. You are accepted and you gain the favor of God by being obedient and demonstrating your worth. Makes sense to us, right? Not Christianity. Christianity isn't a meritocracy. God does not give you the gift of faith to believe because you did A, B, and C. Because you have some sort of useful ability. Because you've demonstrated your worth. Christianity is a religion of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Favor without merit. Meaning, there is nothing in your own power or ability that you can do to earn God's grace and favor. In fact, Jesus himself says, like, yo, your works trying to get to me, trying to earn my favor? What does it say? About they are as useful as used women's menstrual pads. That's in there. That's what it says. That's how, let's say it again. <laughs> what's wrong with you? No, the Bible says that your hard works it, with the intention of getting favor and grace and love from God is about as useful as use women's menstrual pads. They're not useful anymore. You throw it in the garbage. Your hard works are garbage. If you're trying to gain God's favor. Grace cannot be earned. It is only given. And God has chosen to give it. It is available to all of humanity. Every single person in this room, God's grace is available to you. And when we receive the gift of faith from God and accept Jesus into our life, the Bible says we receive a new heart and a new spirit. The Holy Spirit is our new spirit. It's what's being talked about in verse 13. You can put that back up. Give her a second. I know that they weren't exactly like numbered order, so she got to find the number and it's small. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. That's why faith without works is dead. Because we are saved by grace through faith, given a new spirit that does a changing work inside of us, makes us new. Okay? And because of that work inside of us, we now have the desire to please him. And that results in good works. It's a whole cart before the horse thing. So much of the world gets it wrong. You don't come to God because you've got yourself all together and you're ready because God's got to bless you now because of merit. Uh-uh. You come to God first in your brokenness, in your sin. He extends grace to you. He extends faith to you. And then when you accept that, he changes you. He gives you a new heart and a new spirit. And now you can do the good works. You have the desire to do the good works because of God, not because of anything you did. And that, and now you can please God through those works. If you have faith, but you don't have the desire and your life doesn't demonstrate good works, again, the works don't save you. But it might be an evidence that that new work that God has done that should have been done in you might not have been done. That's why faith without works is dead. So work hard to display God's work to the world. Show the world the results that come from giving your life over to Jesus. Obey God, it says, with deep reverence and fear. 
When you do, the world will see it. Those that know you will see it. They'll see the change in you. Believers do not stay the same. And the world will not be able to deny it. Your friends will not be able to deny it. They might push you away because of it, but it's not because they're denying it. It's because they see it and it makes them uncomfortable. But they will see it. Work hard to display God's work. And that will bring glory to God. And when you do this, you will live a brighter life. Jesus proclaimed that he is the light of the world. And he has placed his light in each of us. Every single person who's a believer in here, you hold that peace. You hold that light that God has given to you. Our lives have now become lanterns of bright light that shine into a dark and perverse world to bring glory to God. As we assimilate into the kingdom of heaven, as we change our attitudes, and as we work hard to display the changing work of the Holy Spirit inside of us, we will become a reflection of Jesus. That's what our whole religion is based off of. What's the name? What are we? Come on. There you go. They're like, is this rhetorical? No, it's not. Christians! That name has a meaning. What does it mean, Matthew? Little Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, to be a reflection of Jesus. And as we more, and again, this doesn't just happen right away. As I said, the assimilation and all this, it's a process. And as that process continues in you, that light God placed in you becomes brighter and brighter because it reflects the original light. Our lights shine out into the darkness, okay? It br- and that light brings good news. It brings hope. And it changes the lives of those around us. That is what it means to live a brighter life. Freedom Valley, this year, Make it your goal to live a brighter life. Make your lights shine brighter. Make your life one that is increasingly more a reflection of Jesus. Would you guys bow your heads with me? a few altar calls, things I'd like to pray for you guys for. It matches my points, easy to remember. The first one, assimilate into the kingdom of heaven. If there are those in this room, I'm not even talking about new believers. Maybe you've been a believer for a while, but you are struggling to assimilate into the kingdom. This world has a hold on you and it's not letting go and there are things that you are fighting against that you know is not a description of the life of a citizen of heaven. Then I would like to pray for you. That's the first one. The second one, change your attitude. If there are those in here with a bad attitude, man, and you recognize it, good on you, humility. I would like to pray for you, that you can overcome whatever it is in your life that is keeping your attitude from changing. That's the second prayer point. And the third, if you're having trouble with your works, you're a believer, you have it inside of you, you desire to do good works, but maybe you're timid. Maybe you're scared. So you won't display what God has placed inside of you. That's telling you that it should be let out. If that is you in this room, I would like to pray for you. Now the first prayer point, assimilate into the kingdom of heaven. If that stuck to your heart, 
please raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. God, I thank you for the hands that I see, Jesus. I thank you for your work inside of us, Jesus, that, you're, that you've given us, God, your gospels, your word, Jesus. I pray for each and every hand in this room that was just raised, God. I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit come into them and give them the desire, God, to go and search into your word, God, to read it and understand what it truly means to resemble you and become a kingdom, uh, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, God. I pray that as they read that, those words, that your spirit perform a change in them, God, that your Holy Spirit comes alive and changes them and makes them resemble you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Those of you with bad attitudes, I would like to pray for you too. If that is you, your attitude doesn't resemble Christ, and you're struggling with it, please raise your hand. God, I thank you for each and every one of these people, those who struggle with attitude, anger, issues, God, bitterness. I pray against them in the name of Jesus, against those attitudes, any, I pray for self-control. Holy Spirit, do a work inside each of these individuals. Change them and give them the spiritual gift of self-control. If these attitudes, God, are not purely physical, if they are spiritual, I pray and I bind the enemy working in their lives in the name of Jesus. I loose you upon them, God, and I pray that doors be open for you to give them a new attitude so they can further resemble Jesus Christ. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now, those of you who struggle with displaying the work that God's done in you, maybe something's holding you back, timidity, fear. If that is you, I would like to pray for you this morning. Please raise your hands. God, you see these hands. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that their lights will shine so bright they can't even hold it back, God, with their own will, Jesus. Shine through them, God. Give them a desire that they cannot deny. I pray against any spirit of fear on them, Jesus, for your citizens of heaven are not timid, are not full of fear. We are bold, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you release the spirit of boldness upon each and every person whose hand was raised, God. Make it so that the world cannot deny your existence because they see the light and they see the work shining through their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Now I do have one more. Because there are some people in here who might not know Jesus Christ. That grace is available to you. That evidence is here in this room. The Spirit is here. God is in this room. If He has given you faith and you have not made the decision yet to accept God as your Lord and Savior, then I would like to give you that opportunity today. The Bible says that we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and God raised Him from the dead. We will be saved. If that is you today, and you would like to give your life over to Jesus, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, no one's staring at you, between you and God, that is you this morning, please raise your hand. Now we call this the salvation prayer. It's our first prayer to ask God to come and to live in our lives. And it starts a journey. If you're ready to start that journey today, I would like to lead you in that prayer. Please say this after me. God, I know I'm a sinner, but you have shown me that. You revealed that to me. Forgive me for my sins, God. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he is God and that you sent him to die on a cross for my sins. Please become the Lord of my life and lead me for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Believers in the house, give that person a hand. Welcome into the kingdom of God. You are now a citizen of heaven.
We have, if, if that was you, we have the number on the screen, and if you made a decision to follow Christ, you can text I'm into that number. And what, will, and the, what the response will be, so congratulations, as well as information on where to start. Again, you're the immigrant. You just stepped off the boat. You're a citizen, but you don't know nothing, all right? And we will send you information, places to start reading so that you can begin this process of assimilating into the kingdom of God and being a citizen of heaven. Thank you, Freedom Valley, for giving me a chance once again to bring you guys the word. See you guys next week. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Isaiah. That's two. Jeremiah and Isaiah, his mother's here. And I think she's feeling proud today. I've just seen two preachers in the family. Amen. That was a good word. If you can give for youth camp next week, winter retreat, please, we would appreciate your help. Next month, spaghetti dinner, sign up, help the youth raise funds. Would you stand with me, please? 20-second takeaway is available back there. Matt's ready. If you want to share what God spoke in your heart, it's a good word today, or anything, during the worship, whatever it is, please go back there and share with him, and he'll take care of it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the goodness that you displayed, that you were in heaven, you were in paradise, and you came down amongst us in the pain of the earth and took on our sin, took on our sickness and disease, took on our depression, all the stuff that we deal with to give us new life. We're so grateful. We thank you so much that you're going with us this week as Isaiah preached to shine brighter. Let the light of Jesus shine out that people will see you and give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. Prayer team, would you please come up? And if you have a prayer need, please come up and ask. We want to join with you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 